have you ever made a promise to someone and then found you couldn't keep your promise and had to break it? Did the other person understand and forgive you? Or were they very annoyed? Hello everyone, I'm Kathleen Pelly. Welcome to Journey with Story. Today's story is the second part of a story poem which is all about what happened when a promise was made and then broken. If you've not yet heard part one of this story poem, then you should go back to last week's episode and listen there first. Let's take a journey with The Pied Piper by Robert Browning, part two. The piper's face fell and he cried, No trifling, I can't wait, beside. I've promised to visit by dinner time Baghdad and accept the prime of the head cook's pottage, all he's rich in for having left in the caliph's kitchen of a nest of scorpions no survivor. With him I proved no bargain driver. With you don't think I'll bait a stiver, and folks who put me in a passion may find me pipe after another fashion. How? cried the mayor. Do you think I'll brook being worse treated than a cook, insulted by a lazy ribald? With idle pipe and vest your piebald, you threaten us, fellow, do your worst. Blow your pipe there till you burst. Once more he stepped into the street, and to his lips again laid his long pipe of smooth, straight cane, and ere he blew three notes, such sweet, soft notes, as yet musician's cunning never gave the enraptured air. There was a rustling that seemed like a bustling of merry crowds, jostling at pitching and hustling. Small feet were pattering, wooden shoes clattering, little hands clapping and little tongues chattering, and, like fowls in a farmyard where barley is scattering, out came the children running, all the little boys and girls, with rosy cheeks and flaxen curls, and sparkling eyes and teeth like pearls, tripping and skipping, ran merrily after the wonderful music, with shouting and laughter. The mayor was dumb, and the council stood as if they were changed into blocks of wood, unable to move a step or cry to the children merrily skipping by, could only follow with the eye that joyous crowd at the piper's back. But how the mare was on the rack and the wretched council's bosoms beat as the piper turned from the high street to where the visa ruled its waters, right in the way of their sons and daughters. However, he turned from south to west, and to Coppelberg Hill his steps addressed, and after him the children pressed. Great was the joy in every breast. He never can cross that mighty top. He's forced to let the piping drop, and we shall see our children stop. When lo, as they reached the mountain's side, a wondrous portal opened wide, as if a cavern was suddenly hollowed, and the piper advanced and the children followed, and when all were in to the very last, the door in the mountainside shut fast. Did I see all? No. One was lame and could not dance the whole of the way. And in after years, if you would blame his sadness, he was used to say, It's dull in our town since my playmates left. I can't forget that I'm bereft of all the pleasant sights they see, which the piper also promised me. 
For he led us, he said, to a joyous land, joining the town and just at hand, where waters gushed and fruit trees grew and flowers put forth a fairer hue, and everything was strange and new. The sparrows were brighter than peacocks here, and their dogs outran our fallow deer, and honeybees had lost their stings, and horses were born with eagles' wings, and just as I felt assured my lame foot would be speedily cured, the music stopped, and I stood still, and found myself outside the hill, left alone against my will, to go now limping as before, and never hear of that country more. Alas, alas for Hamelin, there came into many a burgher's pate a text which says that heaven's gate opens to the rich at as easy a rate as the needle's eye takes a camel in. The mayor sent east, west, north and south to offer the piper by word of mouth whatever it was men's lot to find him, silver and gold to his heart's content, if he'd only return the way he went and bring the children behind him. But when they saw it was a lost endeavour and piper and dancers were gone for ever, they made a decree that lawyers never should think their records dated duly if, after the day of the month and year, these words did not as well appear. And so long after what happened here on the 22nd of July, 1376, and the better in memory to fix, the place of the children's last retreat, they called it the Pied Piper's Street, where anyone playing on pipe or tabor was sure for the future to lose his labour, nor suffered the holstery or tavern to shop with mirth a street so solemn. But opposite the place of the cavern, they wrote the story on a column, and on the great church window painted the same, to make the world acquainted how their children were stolen away. And there it stands to this very day. And I must not omit to say that in Transylvania there is a tribe of alien people who ascribe the outlandish ways and dress on which their neighbours lay such stress to their fathers and mothers having arisen out of some subterranean prison into which they were trepanned long time ago in a mighty band out of Hamlin town in Brunswick land. But how or why they don't understand. So Willie, let you and me be wipers of scores out with all men, especially pipers. And whether they pipe us from rats or from mice, if we promise them aught, let us keep our promise. Well, this is certainly one story that might make us think twice before we break a promise, isn't it? So famous is this story that we have a figure of speech related to it. Often when people say, it's time to pay the piper, they are referring to this poem and they mean, you better keep your promises or else you'll have to pay the consequences. Remember, do send me any pictures this story might have painted in your imagination. We'd love to share them with others. Cheerio then. Join me next time for Journey with Story.